Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm the most scientific, the most artistic, the most creative. I'm the greatest scientific fighter of all time. Welcome to the history of the heavyweight championship, a podcast series from Yahoo with me, Steve Bunce. And odds are, I don't get knocked out. In this continuing series, I will look at one year in the sports history, the main fighters, their great nights, their failures, and the dramatic and crazy changes in the sport that took place during the 70s. The white uppercut did the job. I don't think he's going to make it, friend. This is the history of the heavyweight championship, every one of the main fighters. It is the decade of champions. 1972 was not a great year for the heavyweight championship of the world and the champion, Joe Frazier. Nobody in the sport doubted Frazier's ranking. He was the number one and he had proven it. In 1971, Frazier had beaten Muhammad Ali in the fight of the century, dropping the former champion in the 15th and final round to confirm the win. It was a truly great night, a magical fight in Madison Square Garden in front of a sold-out crowd of over 20,000 and a watching world. But it was in March of the previous year. Then Frazier vanished, exhausted from victory and also concealing some cataract damage in his left eye. It meant he had to pick with care the cities and states for his fights and make sure that he avoided the places where the pre-fight medicals were strict. His eye damage was a dark secret. His sight was threatened with every punch he took from that point on. And then he returned to the ring in early January of 1972 to fight a student called Terry Daniels in New Orleans. It was not the defence of the title that people wanted and not the fight that the sport needed. Still, Frazier was back and guaranteed $200,000 and the championship was once again active. It was a mismatch from the start. Frazier was 20 pounds heavier than the 25-year-old legal student. Daniels had lost three fights in 1971, and all three of the men that beat him were far more deserving of a crack at Frazier's title. It was and remains one of the worst world heavyweight title defences to ever take place, a nasty bit of boxing business. Yank Durham, Frazier's manager and cornerman, had promised to ease Frazier back, ease him back from the hospital bed the boxer had occupied after beating Ali. Yank promised a fight that would not be a problem, and he delivered. It was all over in the fourth round. Daniels had been over four times. It was the easiest fight Frazier had had for a long, long time. The ring record book, an annual that arrived with such anticipation all those decades ago, ignores the Daniels fight, Daniels was, according to Frazier, a gentleman. The boxers shared a beer after the fight. In May, Frazier was in Omaha, Nebraska to fight local idol Ron the Bluffs Butcher Stander. Now, Big Ron could fight a bit and he did love to fight. Boxers, drunks, policemen and his wife, Darlene. I'm not sure she ever lost, by the way. 
Stander is a crude, brawl insult, warned Durham. In all fairness to the butcher, he was a bit better than that. Not by much. Stander had lost just once in 25 fights before the Frazier opportunity. He had dropped a split decision to a veteran called Rico Brooks just four months before stepping inside the ring with Frazier. Brooks, by the way, had been a professional boxer since 1955 and had won eight and lost 11. That's an odd record for a veteran of 18 years in the ring. He is one of the enigmatic bit players in the heavyweight scene, sharing a ring with a lot of good fighters and having various records, most pure fantasy. Anyway, Stander did have one truly outstanding win on his record. In late 1970, he had knocked out Ernie Shavers, and Shavers, in the coming years, would be considered one of the best and most feared heavyweights out there. Shavers is also one of the very best heavyweights to never win the world championship. Shavers had knocked out every one of the 12 men he had beaten before Stander beat him in the fifth. Shavers, known as the Acorn because of his fearsome bald head, spent most of the 90s as a doorman on Merseyside. It's hard to invent. Stander delivered some wonderful one-liners in the build-up. How much beer do I drink? I lose count after a case. And, on the subject of his clashes with local law enforcement, have I ever been knocked down? Yeah, by the police with a nightstick. Stander had the banter. It was a brutal, short fight. It ended at the end of the fourth round when Frazier added an assortment of facial wounds to the impressive collection that Stander already had. Somebody quipped, Ron ran out of skin. It looked that way. Stander had a cut above and below his right eye by his nose, which was broken. Some of the old wounds had been caused by police truncheons, or nightsticks as they are called, and one cut above his eye was from a flying plate of spaghetti that Darlene had launched his way. Darlene seemed to launch an awful lot his way. Ron gets hurt every time he goes in the ring because he's never been in shape, offered his wife. How do I know Ron gets hurt? Because after a lot of fights, he doesn't know what he is doing and doesn't remember what happened. Frazier sat in praise of the Omaha strongman. He came to fight. He was tough. That was about all, really. In a 1975 fight, unofficially the clash of the hapless losers, Stander and Daniels met. The Butcher won in the first. An even stranger fight took place in 1977 when Stander travelled to London for a ludicrous booking on an unlicensed boxing show. He met the great hero of that circuit, Roy Shaw. That madcap fight finished in the third round and Shaw was the winner. However, Stander had a broken rib before the fight and struggled. Shaw admitted he would have lost if Stander had not been so severely restricted. Frazier was back, still champion, but the two fights had done nothing to enhance his position or add to the glamour and brilliance created by the buzz from the fight of the century just a year before. There was talk of a rematch with Muhammad Ali. I want three and a half million minimum guarantee and the other guy must get less, said Frazier. There was an early offer of 2.7 million, better than the 2.5 million dollars he got for the first fight. However, the offers soon stopped. Bob Arum, working as one of Ali's lawyers at the time and soon to become a promoter, put together a deal with some British investors. The plan was to buy the rematch contract and rights from Jack Kent Cooke one of the two original promoters of the fight of the century, for $8 million. The fighters would then receive a guarantee of $3 million, and $2 million would go to Kent Cook. 
The deal fell apart. It was, by the summer of 1972, a desperate time. The great night in New York was fading fast, replaced by constant squabbles and the memory of Daniels and Stander flopping so badly. Ali was not going to wait for Frazier to agree terms. In 1972, Ali fought six times. All six of the men he beat were superior to the two men Frazier had ruined so easily in his championship defences. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Ali went to Tokyo in April to fight Mac Foster. The promoter called Ali the champion and demanded 15 rounds. Ali had a cold that night. Foster had lost just once in 29 fights and had stopped or knocked out his 28 other opponents. Big Mac had wrecked names like Fad Spencer, Zora Foley and Cleveland Williams. Good fighters. His only loss was to Jerry Quarry. Again, a good fighter. This fight means so much. It will help to get me in shape for Joe Frazier. And if I lose, I will not get a chance at Joe Frazier. So I must win. You expect to uh, finish faster? Well, I'm afraid to tell you the round because the people may not come if I do. In previous fights, you have always announced in what round you will knock out How did you know? <laughs> How did you know? Been way over here in Japan. Well, How I've read the newspaper account that you've always predicted before a big fight that you will finish your opponent in what round. But this time, you're not going to do it, huh? Well, since he's talking jive, I might get him in five. Angelo Dundee came to Ali's defence. He was good at that. Mac Foster never got the credit he deserved. There were no walkovers at that level, and I knew it would be a hard fight. It was tough. Muhammad made it look easy. Ali won on points after 15 long rounds, in front of 15,000 people, gathered at noon for the fight to suit the TV audience in the USA. Ali was calling for Frazier from that first fight in 1972. Where is Joe Frazier? I'm fighting like the devil. Why ain't he in action? Why ain't he fighting? Four weeks later, and Ali was back on the road and back in the ring. Ali met old foe and the sport's toughest fighter, George Chevallo. The fight was in Vancouver. Ali had outpointed Chevallo to defend his heavyweight world title in 1966. In that fight, Chevallo had walked through Ali's punches and dug away to the body. Chevallo believed he had a chance, had a hope. 
He's not as good as he was in 1966. I'm better now. You can hear the rust in his bones. That's what George thought. Chevallo had never been dropped and finished his career that way. 95 fights, dozens against the best heavyweights of two generations, and never knocked out. That is some record. George Chevallo's never been down. And if I have anything to do with it, George Chevallo must be on the floor. He fights low, too. And I'm going to stop that low blow stuff. He's always hitting low. Hit me 50 times the last time I fought him low. Referee didn't say nothing. This time I'm warning Josh Avalo. If he hits me low once, and, and I'm giving one warning. After that, every time he hits me low, I'm going to hit him low. You think, though, that'll cut it out, huh? Now I don't want no trouble out of him or nobody from here on out. I'm out to get my title back from the new tramp. I mean, new champ, Joe Frazier. I'm the real champion, and I'm going to prove it. In Vancouver in May 1972, Ali won on points again. It was grueling at times. I'm tired of hitting George. He eats punches like other fighters eat burgers, said Ali. Chevallo shuffled off, smiling, polite as ever, and knowing that his career was still not finished. He was cornered and asked about the new Ali. His opinion is perfect. He's not as fast, but he punches harder. The schedule continued, and in June, the Ali camp went to Las Vegas for a second fight with Jerry Quarry. Don King had been released from prison in September 1971 and by the summer of 1972 he was getting busy in the boxing business. He was working with a couple of feared heavyweight fighters, genuine contenders, Ernie Shavers and the tragic Jeff Candy Slim Merritt. But he had his eyes on Ali. King was involved with the Quarry and Ali second fight. King always had a way of making people believe that he was running the show, running all shows. Quarry is a counterpunch. He hits hard. He's determined. He's fast. He's good. So Quarry ain't no pushover. Do you have any timetable on how many years you want to fight? A fighter like myself is unpredictable. I don't get hit too much. I don't get hurt. I could probably go if I just had to and still stay in the top ten, ten more years if I just had to. But I hope to get out and be well invested in two more years. I want to quit, raise my family, and just enjoy life and travel. Get a few Charleston Heston rolls. <laughs> dun, dun, come on. Dun, dun. Open the seas. Dun, dun. Chariot races. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. I like the movies. On the undercard in Las Vegas, Quarry's brother Mike was fighting Bob Foster for the World Light Heavyweight title. It ended badly and Mike was knocked out cold for five minutes. It really upset Jerry. The show was dubbed the Quarry Brothers v the Soul Brothers. King took credit for that title. The real title was Double Jeopardy. Right before the fight, from his changing room, Ali gives an interview shown live across the world to the audiences in cinemas at closed-circuit screenings. Tell everybody to take their seats. One quarry got beat, and now it's the turn of the last White Hope. Quarry always hated the White Hope tag. It is hard to watch after a couple of rounds. At the end of the fifth round, Reg Gutteridge, on commentary duty with Eamon Andrews, asks, Why didn't he finish him? He's spanking him like a sparring partner. In the sixth, Andrews utters the brilliant line, There is nothing left to quarry in quarry. Ali stopped Quarry after 19 seconds of the seventh round when he waved the ref in after landing with three clean punches. He was accused of carrying Quarry until the vicious end. In boxing, carrying means that a boxer held back when he could have finished the fight earlier. I was feeling him out, making sure he was ready to go, Ali claimed. 
After the fight, the melee in the ring was a comic carnival of men with microphones, men with soppy Las Vegas grins, and police in riot helmets. Ali ran the chaos like a fine conductor of an eager, if inexperienced, orchestra. I'm ready now for Joe Frazier. I've proved he's a coward. He's a chump, not a champ. Let's get Joe Frazier ready now. I want him, but he won't even talk to me. At ringside that night in Las Vegas was George Foreman, the unbeaten young beast of the division. There was a brief and explicit exchange of opinions at ringside after the fight when Ali called Big George over. Fight me, not Frazier. Joe Frazier is scared of me and he's taking you as an easy choice. Foreman laughed it off. They got physically closer and Ali was flicking out jabs, putting his hands on Foreman's face and then Foreman flicks a punch back. It missed, but it had real pace. Ali then throws a right hand. He makes sure that it misses, but there was real power in it. It was an electric standoff. That is how you start to sell a fight. Ali and Foreman would not fight for another 28 long months. Foreman and Frazier was getting closer and closer. Ali and Frazier would not fight their long overdue rematch for another 18 months. And when they did fight, there was no world championship on the line. In the Las Vegas ring, Ali had talked about his next two fights, named the dates, the venue and the opponents. He was working hard to stay number one heavyweight in the world. Just three weeks after the quarry fight in Las Vegas, the Ali Roadshow arrived in Dublin. Ali was fighting his old sparring partner, Al Blue Lewis. It is a fight of a thousand towels, and some are even true. It was put together by a man called Butty Sugru. He was a London publican and had made money by pulling tractors attached to a rope which he held in his teeth. Ali landed and started to talk about his Irish great-grandfather. Croke Park could hold 81,000, but fewer than 20,000 showed, and a lot never paid. The main gate was either stormed or opened, and either 5,000 or 10,000 got in for free. Somebody famously said before the fight, it was possibly Tom Cryan of the Irish Independent, one of the finest boxing writers of any generation, it's an insult for an Irishman to pay to see a fight. Ali won too easily, by the way. Then Ali was back in the Madison Square Garden ring against former world heavyweight champion Floyd Patterson. It was a relentless schedule, all designed to keep the pressure on the absent Frazier. In the weeks before the fight, Patterson was invited to the White House to see Richard Nixon, the war president. It was a reminder of the days when President Kennedy had been one of Floyd's biggest fans. That was a decade earlier. It was Floyd's 64th and final fight. Ali cut him and beat him after seven rounds. There was no humiliation and criticism this time. Their first fight in 1965 was horrible to witness. It was Ali at his cruelest. In 1972, there was respect. It is overlooked, but at that point, Floyd had cleared over $8 million in purses from his fights, and that would have been a record amount for a heavyweight champion. Floyd never fought again, but never announced it. There was even a move in 1977 to get Floyd back from exile to fight Ali a third time. Instead, a novice called Leon Spinks was picked. That is a story to tell. 
Vic Siegel, New York columnist, captured the confusion. The thing about Floyd is that he never actually retired. He just stopped fighting. For years, people just kept waiting to see if he would box again. It was 1972, but Patterson belonged firmly in the 1950s. A man from the sport's black and white days. He had beaten boxers when he started that had been scrapping since the 30s. He was a link with the ancient days of the heavyweight championship and a massively underestimated boxer. I guess Floyd knows he's the oldest man. He's talking about a cat having nine lives as him. Sonny Liston, after all of that, he came back. After Johansson, he came back. After Jerry Quarry, uh, the fight, he came back. And uh, now me, I mean, this man looks like he just won't be the scene. I don't know nobody can get more breaks than Floyd Patterson. Mark Cram of Sports Illustrated knew a complex fighter when he saw one. Floyd, like Liston, was the real thing. No stranger or more interesting figure ever worked the landscape of sport. Nice words, Mark. There was time after sending Patterson into retirement for one last fight in 1972 for Ali. It would be six of the year. A proposal to fight in South Africa collapsed. Ali fought instead world light heavyweight champion Bob Foster inside a big nightclub in Lake Tahoe. Foster was dropped a total of seven times before the finish in the eighth round. They say he slowed down after the layoff, but the guy was still too fast, said Foster. The fight was in late November. It had been a draining year and he was still no nearer to a Frazier rematch. In fact, Frazier had signed to fight Foreman in Jamaica in January of 1973. Ali was on the outside again. He had a license, he just couldn't get the fight. Big George Foreman had won five times, all quick in 1972, to get the chance to fight Frazier. He ended the year 37-0 in fights and was just 23. Ken Norton won six times in six fights. He had lost just the once in 30 fights by the end of the year. The ex-Marine would be Ali's next opponent. And Joe Bugner won his eight fights in the year. He beat American tough guy Tony Doyle late in the year, stopping the American on cuts. Doyle had a 1971 win over Terry Daniels. The heavyweight division was open. It seemed that anybody could get a chance at the title. Bugner was just 22 at the end of the year. In 1973, Joe Bugner would fight both Ali and Frazier. Crazy days. At the Munich Olympics, a new heavyweight emerged. He would never turn professional. He would refuse a decade of multi-million dollar offers to fight in America. Teofilio Stevenson was a Cuban idol, a friend to Fidel Castro. Stevenson won three consecutive gold medals at the Olympics, Munich, Montreal and Moscow. He might have won a fourth gold in Los Angeles in 1984, but there was a boycott. He was a lethal one-punch finisher. He stayed loyal to the Cuban cause and said, I will not leave my country for one million dollars or much more. What is a million dollars against eight million Cubans who love me? He actually said that. I'm not joking. The year ended with Frazier and Foreman making travel plans for the Sunshine Showdown in Jamaica. Here they make it official. And signing now we have Joe Frazier, the champion. And on the other side, the number one contender, Mr. George Foreman. Well, I'm not going to say too much about uh, George because uh, you all know that I'm not 
really a great rapper, uh, mouth run off her, you know, it is like uh, some people we know. And, uh, I'm very happy that the fight is coming off because one particular reason, I feel like you need uh, people like George and myself in the fighting game. I feel like this is going to be a real good fight and uh, we don't have to sit here and rap about it and go through a bunch of strange uh, commotion because George is not that type of guy and I'm not that type of guy. George is going to be out there trying to win the title and I'm going to be out there trying to hang on to it. I don't want to be as modest as Joe Frazier because 20% isn't as near as enough as you know he's going to get. So I've got to get out here and preach and brag and beg and scheme and let you people think that I'm a monkey or something so you can come out and see me do something. And I want all the people in the country, in this country and in all, all parts of the world to come out and see this fight. And I don't think you'll be interested in come out and see two friends shake hands. <laughs> Joe Frazier and me will declare war on that day. That's, that's definitely. The biggest fights in heavyweight boxing history were moving closer. And the division's giants were all getting sucked into a series of fights that would change the sport forever. First stop, Jamaica in January 1973. If you're enjoying this tour through the best of boxing history, you can find more transcripts, archive videos, historical images in the boxing section of the Yahoo UK sports site. That's uk.sports.yahoo.com slash boxing. The history of the heavyweight championship is written and recorded by me, Steve Bunce, produced by Yahoo UK, with editing and sound design by Lolita Laguna. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.